Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Well, let's revisit our top story today. Shortly after 1.30, uh, Finance Minister Katrina Conroy rose in the legislature and highlighted a, a budget big on spending with a focus on health care, affordability, and budget deficits. BC's budget for 2023-2024 is projecting more than a $4 billion deficit. Uh, that's just the first year. Second and third year also uh, carry deficits as well. There is $8.7 billion directed towards uh, program spending and over $37 billion over the next three years earmarked uh, to build new schools, hospitals, and highways. Take a listen to Finance Minister Katrina Conroy from earlier today. This year's budget will improve health care, build more homes, help with rising costs, and make our communities safer. Budget 2023 will continue our work to build a stronger, cleaner economy for everyone right across our province. Mr. Speaker, these uncertain times require careful, thoughtful action. Action that addresses the uncertainty ahead while moving us forward on long-standing priorities like reconciliation, climate change, and tackling global inflation. Action is what British Columbians want from their government. That was Finance Minister Katrina Conroy speaking earlier today. Joining me now is Peter Melbar, a BC Liberal finance critic and MLA for Kamloops North Thompson. Peter, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for being on, Josh. So all of this sounds wonderful, but how do you pay for it all? First of all, your thoughts overall on what is essentially a big budget, a big spending budget. Well, I think I'll agree with the Minister one thing. People want action from their government. They also want results from their government. And and we've heard almost that exact same uh, uh, presentation for our budget, seven budgets in a row now from this government. Uh, the reality is the results aren't matching the spending. Uh, typically, you, you see a deficit spend if you're having a revenue problem as a government. This government is budgeting to collect uh, record levels of revenues like they've never seen before, and they still can't manage things. And so... I think people are, are getting wary of, of uh, promises that aren't matching any actual results. Spending money doesn't equate automatically to a better outcome, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, why we're seeing worsening outcomes in healthcare and crime and safety and housing affordability. Uh, you name it. Uh, there's issues out there. What do you say to the argument that look, we are in a, in a still a high inflationary environment. It is uh, inflation's gone down a little bit, but uh, people are hurting. You've got one bedroom uh, apartments now renting for twenty five hundred dollars a month. People also need the help from government at this particular point, and this government's decided that we're going to focus on spending those dollars um, to help these those people. That we're we're not in a in an absolutely uh, great environment right now for them when it comes to their personal finance. What do you say to that argument? Well, I, I think you have to really look at, at what they're saying and uh, they're spending the money on. Certainly, you need to help people, especially in the lower income uh, scale as, as times are tough. No one takes issue with that in our party. Uh, but $4.2 billion of this new spending is actually for the collective agreement. Um, so that's not going to add one extra person working or one extra piece of help. Uh, it's just to provide the existing levels of services. The $400 renters rebate that they're, they're saying will, uh, you know, help 80% of renters uh, just simply won't. Uh, it's a $60,000 household uh, cutoff. The average income you need now in Vancouver to rent a one-bedroom 
is $100,000 a year. The average income for a two-bedroom is $150,000 a year. So there's a, a large portion of the population, I think, as this un, unfolds throughout the year, is going to be sorely disappointed uh, with the lack of support this budget will actually provide for them. Do you think there should have been a balanced budget here? Uh, less so worry about the balance side of it, uh, more so worry that they, they seem to be on the one hand recognizing that there's significant challenges, um, but at the same time uh, really not finding ways to spend money effectively and efficiently. So when you look at a, a project like the Couch and Hospital that's gone from $600 million to or, uh, $1.45 billion, so it's uh, $850 million over budget and over two years behind schedule, you say, is the government actually spending these scarce uh, dollars as effectively as they can, or should they be able to build the hospital as well as a multitude of, of extra schools and things of that nature around this province at the same time, further expanding that, that employment base of all these various construction sites, uh, building public buildings that we all recognize and agree need to get built. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more of a, you know, part of, partially this involves the federal government, but I, but I think it's very important to ask. The carbon tax is going up to $65 per tonne on April 1st and then to $170 per tonne up to um, forecast end in 2030. Um, it is presently, in, in, when, you, when you talk about everyday people right now, people pay about 11 cents per litre uh, when they fill up, and that goes towards the carbon tax. That doesn't, of course, include the uh, TransLink tax of 17 cents. Um, but if these taxes go up as is being projected, uh, British Columbians will be paying 37 cents a litre come 2030 uh, on top of other taxes in regards to filling up, uh, would you keep the carbon tax or would you get rid of it? Well, you, you have to keep it uh, the way the federal government has things structured uh, right now. If we, if we vacated the space, the federal government would come in and, and uh, we'd be at the mercy of them giving us back that money. And so this way, at least we control our, our destiny to some degree when you collect it. The difference is when we had it, it was very clearly a revenue neutral tax where we redistributed the tax out. Uh, the government, this government, when they first took office, uh, took away that requirement. And so that's really the worry here. When they talk about these, these extra uh, climate action uh, credits that people are going to get, uh, that's always been in place. And as carbon tax increases, that's always increased as well. And it's based on your income threshold. So if you're currently getting a, a, a GST rebate, essentially, you'll see on there a climate action credit as well. Uh, that's what the government's talking about. Uh, so then nothing's really uh, new fundamentally changing on that that front. But I'll tell you, when people have home heating bills, and even in the lower mainland now with uh, how much colder things have gotten through the winter, and they see they're paying more in carbon tax and ever more than uh, what the gas itself actually costs on their bill, uh, they start to wonder, you know, why is this not still revenue neutral? Why are we seeing massive uh, tax breaks to... to uh, uh, large, large industry and, and no help for ourselves. And so I think the government's really missed the balance on this in terms of when they remove the, the revenue neutrality of the tax. Uh, nobody is opposed to building new schools, hospitals and highways, but in the context of the present economy and the deficits that we have, the NDP government is uh, really hitting their, putting their foot on the, on the gas here in regards to capital spending. Um, $37 billion over the next three years. If you had been in government, uh, would the BC Liberals have uh, A, not spent that money or perhaps stretched it out further in regards to building some of these schools and hospitals? Or do you think the NDP is doing the right thing in regards to this capital spend of $37 billion over the next three years? 
Well, again, the devil's in the detail. So um, we're not sure what they're building that's under 50, billion, 50 million, but it must be a lot of projects to get to that dollar figure because in this year's uh, chart of projects over 50 million, and by law they have to show them, um, there's only four new capital projects, all minor, all in the 100, 200 million dollar range. Uh, there's 21 existing capital programs on there, projects on there, that are either over budget or delayed or both. Um, and so, um, again, it's about the ability for this government to actually deliver uh, in a timely fashion for the dollars they say they're going to deliver, um, either a, a capital project or a program, um, you know, the, the mental health and addictions, these, these regional centres. There's no, not one dollar over the next three years for capital in this budget. I don't know how they expect to, to build these centres in, in various parts of the province um, in a timely, quick fashion when we desperately need addictions treatment out there um, when there's not one dollar accounted for in the budget. Peter, lots to talk about in the days ahead. Thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you so much, Jess.